Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Um, some of you might be wondering, what in the world is this little old basketball hoop doing up on the stage? I want you to think about what was your favorite present that you've ever gotten for Christmas or for your birthday before? And some of you are like, man, I remember a time I got a car or like something really awesome. This is my favorite present of all time right here. This was, this probably would have been 1986 when I turned five years old. Um, and some of you would call this a toy. I would call this a friend. That's what it was to me all those years. Um, you'd see me on a Friday, Friday night uh, when I was growing up. I wasn't hanging out with friends usually. I was in my bedroom playing basketball on this thing. It does go up higher than this. For those of you who are like, oh, it's the right height for Kellen. No. Right here. All right. And you'd go and dunk it and it'd do this. And you're like, oh, it's broken. Nope. <laughs> it's called a breakaway rim, everybody. The net, the net is not the original net. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell. Um, and so I've got tacks in here that I tried to put it up. I've tried to, uh, tried to do the tie thingy. It's old. What can I say? But this, this is definitely my favorite gift that I've ever gotten before. How many of you actually have a gift that you still use 35 years later? Probably not many of you. Um, some of you aren't even 35. Okay. <laughs> but we all, we all have some gift that we can think of probably that, man, that is just... That is my absolute favorite gift of all time. Um, good gifts like this, they don't come around every year. You know, you, a lot of Christmases you probably got to the end of it and you're like, yo, mom, dad, where's the other one? <laughs> like there's, there's got to be something else. Come on. But not that year. 1986 was a good year. Um, and while this gift is awesome, there's an even better one that all of us get to enjoy. And... You know, again, we're at church, so you know what the answer is about what that gift is. Uh, but we're going to look this morning uh, at an, our last four statement from the Bible that kind of has to do with uh, the story of Christmas. Now, I'll say that this, this verse isn't coming out of the Christmas story per se, but it, is, it really is all-encompassing about what Christmas is about. It's probably the most famous verse in the entire Bible, I think. Uh, if, you, if you watch a sporting event, you're probably going to see somebody with a sign holding up this verse. Uh, good chance it was the first verse that you ever memorized when you were a kid, other than Jesus wept, because it was the easiest. All right? So you might know what this verse is. It's John 3.16. The only reason I'm going to look at what is on my, my notes here for the verse is because there's a lot of different versions. So I want to make sure I get the right version here, okay? But we all know it. It's, for John so loved, for God so, I don't, John didn't. John did love the world. God loved it more, okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Uh, this is probably, even if you've never been a part of a church before, uh, good chance you've heard this verse before, good chance you know it really well. And, it's almost one of those verses we know it so well, it becomes like one of those worship songs that we sing when we're out in the audience there. And, and you get three quarters of the way through the song and you're like, I don't, 
what words am I singing again? Because I just know this so well. It's like when you get in a car and you're driving for a while and you think back, you're like, I don't remember the last five minutes. That's scary. John 3.16 is a little bit of a verse like that. And so what I want us to do is I want us to actually just think about this verse for a little while today. Um, this verse describes the very purpose and mo motivation for God's gift of Jesus. And that motivation is love. Every bit of that motivation. For God so loved. It doesn't say, for God so needed to make sure that people got saved that he came. It doesn't say, for God so had to defeat Satan that he came. It doesn't even say, for God so had to know what it was to be like a human that he came. It says, for God so loved the world that he came into the world. Absolutely zero obligation whatsoever to God sending his son Jesus into the world for us. That's a beautiful thing when you think about it. Uh, it. He wasn't obligated because Satan was so evil and dark. He wasn't obligated because our sins were so many. There was zero obligation. It was completely based on his love for us. Now, a lot of you might be good gift givers. Uh, I can think of one really good gift giver in my family. Uh, my older sister, Nikki, I used, so like when we would do the, the name, uh, you know, pull a name out and see who you're going to give gifts to with all the older people now in the family, I never wanted anybody but my sister Nikki to get me. Because here's the thing, Nikki would like, she thought about who you were as a person and she would get a gift that she knew you liked. I'm not like that. I think about what can I give this person that three months from now they're not going to want and I can take it back. Man, not even three months from now. Like, I, I got my cert, certain type of chocolate. I will buy my wife that chocolate knowing that she's going to take too long to eat it, and I am going to eat it, and I'm going to enjoy it. I, I talked a couple years ago about there was a... I was looking for a water bottle because I'm, I'm super particular about water bottles. It's got to... You got to be able to put it in the dishwasher. It's got to be dishwasher safe. You got to be able to, like, put ice, full ice cubes in it, not crushed ones, because that's just dumb, right? And, you, and it's got to be able to, like, hold the ice for a long time. So I found one. It was a Yeti water bottle. And so what I did was, we would make fun of my wife, like, that she doesn't drink enough water. So I'm like, I'm going to do a really sweet thing. I'm going to get her a water bottle. She can have it around all the time. She used it twice. It is now my water bottle, and I enjoy it thoroughly every time I use it. And I'm like, man, that was a great Christmas present, Kellen. It's awesome. Because, see, that's how I tend to give gifts. I give what I want. And sometimes we give out of obligation. We feel like we have to give. You ever have one of those friends that you didn't know that you were quite on the level of friendship as they thought you were on, and they gave you a Christmas present? That's awkward. Like, I didn't know we were at that place. you got to be at a certain level to just come and give a random, like, $50 gift to somebody at Christmas. Because the moment that they do that, you know what that means for you. You're scrounging around your house for the latest thing that somebody gifted you, and you're going to re-gift it. Because you had nothing to give the person. It's an awkward moment. So sometimes we give out of obligation. Sometimes we give what we feel like we would want from somebody. But obligation is not the thing that caused God to give us his son, Jesus. He gave us Jesus because he loves us. Pure and simple. No strings attached whatsoever. All he's asking us to do is receive the gift. We don't even have to give anything back. It says, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. All it says is, whoever believes. Like we, we don't got to do anything else 
but believe in this gift. Now, it can be really hard to accept good gifts sometimes, right? Anybody ever give you a financial gift that was just crazy big? Like, there's a part of you that's like, oh, I can't, I can't even accept this. But you know it's so big and it would, it's so great that you're like, well, okay, I guess I'll take it. It's not like those situations where you're, you're going out to lunch with somebody and they're like, oh, let me buy you lunch. And you're thinking, well, I'm going to do the socially acceptable thing right now. Because even if they, they take it back, it's just a lunch. So you kind of go through the whole process of like, oh, no, you don't have to buy me lunch. Don't, don't do that. And they're like, no, let me do. No, no, are you sure? So you got, it's got to go like three times. And then they come back with, no, I got it. And you're like, oh, well, let me get the next one. We're never going to lunch again. But when somebody gives you a really good gift, it's like, I'm not going to say no. Thank you. I need that. Because here's the thing, what Jesus gives us is completely different and completely bigger than anything else we could get from anybody. Listen to this, no matter what you do from this point forward, you are forever indebted to the gift giver being Jesus, even while the gift giver is not looking to hold the debt over you. In fact, the gift was given for the sole purpose of relieving your debt altogether. This gift that Jesus gives us, it's not a lunch it is paying off our mortgage and paying off our student loan bills, which feels so good when you finally get done with those, right? And paying off our car loans. The gift that Jesus gives us, it is all-encompassing. It's so much bigger than anything else we could possibly ever get. And so there's something, we can't even get to the place of being like, no, it's just a yes, I've got to take that gift. And so most of us have heard this story before. This story is the gospel. It is 100% the gospel of Jesus. And, and while you've heard it before, I want to talk about four ways that you can really react to this gospel. The four choices that you have. And so the choices that you have to the gospel, to this gift of Jesus, it goes like this. You can choose not to believe that the gift is real. You can choose to believe that you're not worthy of accepting the gift. You can choose to accept the gift and then try to work really hard to pay it off. Or you can choose to accept the gift and be forever grateful for it. So what I want to do this morning is I want to talk through what, what each of those choices actually looks like. So the first one is choosing not to believe that the gift is real. And, and I'll be honest, I, there's not a ton I can say about this one. Because here's the thing. I can't go and prove to you something that happened 2,000 years ago. Like, I can't take you back in time. There are so many reasons why somebody could say, I do not believe this story about Jesus. The Bible is just made up of stories. The, the story of Jesus is to, is to make believe. Like, God, God made this woman pregnant who was a virgin. And, like, I, what? If you want to, you can, you can excuse away everything about Jesus. But I want to pose a question to you today. If that's, if that's where your, your line of thinking is. Is there anything that could get you to believe that the gift of Jesus is actually real? Again, I can't, I can't prove to you something that happened 2,000 years ago, but what I can prove to you is this. I can prove to you that you and me are, are both really faulted people. I can prove that you and me both have a lot of sin that's filled up our lives that we can't escape. And so if there was a God who was willing to do whatever it took 
to forgive you of all that stuff, would it not be worth it to take a look into it? I wish, I wish that I could verbalize what's in my head about how amazing the story of the gospel is. I wish I could verbalize it with perfect poetry. Because it is the most beautiful story that could possibly be conceived of. It's so amazing that the God of the world who created the world, who created all of us, would love us enough that while we were still sinners, he would choose to bring his son, Jesus, into the world so that simply for the reason that he could die for us. Like that story just, every time I think about it, it blows me away. So you can choose to believe that that gift isn't real. Or you can choose to believe that you believe the gift, but you're not worthy of actually accepting the gift. And now I've been, I've been in church all my life, uh, and I can say that this is, this is a really, it's not a rare situation to find. You know, you're trying to tell people about the grace of Jesus, and a lot of people, they love it. They buy into it. Man, that's awesome. But I am too bad of a person. That's, that's the thing that goes through a lot of people's heads. I, I, can't, I can't be worthy of that. Here's the deal. This gift, it is truly incredibly expensive. What Jesus did for us, it was an expensive gift that he gave to us. He didn't just choose to come into this world and, and to be placed in manger. He chose to die on a cross. And it wasn't just a physical death that he endured. There was this spiritual death that when he took all of our sins upon himself and his father turned his face from him, that is an inconceivable expense that he paid on our behalf. But I want you to get this. There is an ugliness in thinking that we are not worthy of this gift that Jesus has given to us. There's this hidden dark secret that when I say that I'm not worthy of the gift, it's actually a hidden dark pride that seeps into our hearts. We see that pride all the time. When somebody wants to help somebody out, maybe, maybe you've had a parent want to help you out financially, but you've had a rift in the, in the relationship. And it's tough for you to accept that there's this pride from accepting the help, right? That's the same thing that keeps us from accepting what Jesus has offered to us. And in fact, there were people in Jesus' life who actually treated the love of Jesus this way. Now, they didn't think about, about themselves. So you've got these people called the Pharisees. And they looked at other people and they said, those people aren't worthy of the gift. Well, they didn't really think Jesus was the gift, let's be honest. But Matthew 9, it says this. As Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Then I think the best part of the whole passage, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. To some degree, I think that we all should get to that place where we, we, where we do kind of think that we're not worthy of the gift of Jesus. When I, th- when I think about it in that context, I'm realizing the depth of my sin. I'm realizing just how much I can't, 
I can't be perfect and righteous and good. But then we also have to hear the words that Jesus says here. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Bottom line is Jesus was born to save you. That is why he came into this world. And you actually validate the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross when you choose to believe that you are worthy of that gift. You validate what Jesus has done for you. I'm telling you, there is nothing in the heart of God that says you're not worthy of this gift. He, he's, he's longing for us to take it. Maybe your choice in how you respond to the gift is the next choice. Choosing to accept the gift and then trying to, to work really hard to pay it off. Now, again, I've been a part of the church for a really long time, and I will say this. I think everybody who follows Jesus at some point in their life trying to follow Jesus gets to the place where this becomes them. Maybe not for, for all the time, but at times in our life, we, we get to this place where we feel that we have to work to pay off the salvation that Jesus offers us. And it's a rut that we fall into. It's a deception that we've fallen into to believe this. And there's a danger, I think, in this choice. When we choose to feel like we have to work to pay off this gift, when we have to, to kind of be good enough on our own because whatever Jesus did maybe wasn't good enough and I've got I've to I've prove it, what happens is I now become a judgmental person. I become a judgmental person of everybody around me. I become a judgmental person of myself. When I'm not able to accept the gift. Because I believe that somewhere deep inside of me, I should be good enough. And if I should be good enough, you should be good enough. There's a story in the Bible called, uh, we, we think of it as the story of the prodigal son. Um, and so there's two, there's two brothers in this story. And, and one of the brothers stays with his father his whole life. Um, but the other brother, we call the prodigal son, he goes to his dad one day and he's like, Dad, I want you to give me all the money that you would have given when you died. And actually this is a slap in the father's face because he's essentially saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me your money. And so the father, this gracious father that he is, he gives his son the money that was his inheritance. And the son goes off into the, to a neighboring city and he squanders all the money away with prostitutes and with drugs and partying all the time. The other son, on the, uh, on the other hand, he stays, he stays home with dad all the time. And everybody looking at this son would have probably called him the good son. He was the son who obeyed his dad all the time. He, he did all the chores he was supposed to do. He was by his father's side working the fields like he needed to all the time. He never disobeyed. But one day when the, the prodigal son finally realized, man, I... I got to go back home. I've got nothing. He comes home and his dad sees him down the road and, and he runs out to him and he, he, he puts his arms around him and he hugs him. And then, to the anger of the other son, what does he do? He throws a party for, for this prodigal son. Here's the thing. If the son who had stayed home the whole time could have accepted his father's love, if he could have realized it wasn't because he stayed at home with his dad the whole time and he was obedient all the time. If he could have just realized that my dad just loves me. When he saw his brother down the road, you know what he would have done too? He would have run down that road and he would have hugged his, dad, his brother. 
And when his brother threw, his dad threw the party for his brother, would he have been upset? Mm-mm. He would have been, dad, this is the best party we've ever thrown. I'm so glad I'm, my brother's home. But when we decide in our hearts that we're not good enough for the gift, and we have to work to prove ourselves for the gift, we start judging everybody else around us and we judge ourselves. And that's what that brother was doing. If he had truly accepted his dad's love, he could have accepted his brother. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. It is 100% by grace that we are saved, not by works. The moment that we realize that, our love for people is going to start to change. And so now the only remedy that we, can, that we can have to this idea of paying back our salvation is to take the last choice in how we're going to respond to this gift. This is the last choice. Simply choose to accept the gift and to be grateful for your salvation. That is the only real option that we have when it comes to this gift of Jesus. If someone gives you a huge gift, let's say they give you a car, they give you... 50,000 bucks. In your heart, you may have this thing that you deal with, like, I got to pay them back somehow. I'm telling you, if somebody gives you a gift like that, they probably don't care about the payback. And what happens is, the moment that you let go of this idea of having to pay back, the moment that you stop living by obligation and you start living by love. Your reaction to that person who gifted you is going to be a natural outflowing of love. Because you're going to realize the love that was given to you. That is our relationship with God. When we get rid of the obligation to love and we just decide, man, this God loves me so much that he gave his son Jesus as a gift to me. The only reasonable response at that point then is a response of love. Uh, Worship team, you guys can come back up and and you're going to be playing here in just a minute. The gift of Jesus is 100% free. It's free for anyone who wants it from the least to the greatest. It cannot be earned and it cannot be taken from you. It's yours if you want it. And when you find yourself totally grateful for his gift of salvation, you will find yourself loving as he would want you to love. I'm telling you, I I wish I could get out of my, my head and get the words for anybody here today who hasn't accepted the gift of Jesus, to understand how amazing and beautiful this gift is. But I also want to say to people who are here as followers of Jesus, I don't think there's anything more important that we can do than also learning to take this gift that we've received with complete gratitude. Because as we continue to try to, to live our lives, to prove our worth to Jesus, I think every time Jesus is just saying, guys, you're good. And we continue to try to prove ourselves over and over again. And that's where, that's where judgment happens. That's where, where insecurity happens. So this morning I'm asking you, can, can you choose to, to take this gift of Jesus with gratitude? Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.